1: Hey, it's Alex from the Guilty as Charged podcast crew, and I'm here to talk about Manscaped. Just like an NFL game, your balls need to be clean. What happens when your balls aren't clean? I don't know. Joshua Kelly fumbles, Philip Rivers interceptions, deflate gate, you name it. Using the Manscaped Lawn Mower 3.0, you can groom to your heart's content. Their trimming technology is the best in the biz, and you won't catch a suspension for cheating. Personally, I love the Manscaped Anti-Chafing Boxer Briefs. Whatever you want, Manscaped has it. For 20% off your first order, use code GUILTY at checkout. It supports the show, but also supports your grooming habits. That's the most important thing. We care about you. Again, that's code guilty at checkout for twenty percent off your first purchase. Now let's get to those
2: Los Angeles Chargers. Hey Charger fans, welcome into another episode of the Guilty as Charge podcast. It's your host, Steven, here. Uh, joining me as always is Alex. Alex, how are you doing, man? Uh no, um, yeah, I'm pretty good today. I'd like to
1: take a moment and welcome uh, the coronavirus as the newest charger. Um, we've been <laughs> we've been waiting. Uh, So, you know, one of the most welcome members of the Chargers. You know, it's just nice to have him on the team now.
2: Yeah, you know, luckily the Chargers have been able to uh, avoid this. But, um, you know, we'll certainly get into all of the ramifications of Ryan Groy's uh, positive COVID test along with the injury report. And we're going to preview this week's game. Uh, You know, Anthony Lynn mentioned today that there has been no mention of possibly delaying the game or postponing or canceling anything like that. Um, You know, as long as there's only one positive test, you know, that will continue to be the case, which is, you know, something that the league has kind of maintained. It's, it's really only once, uh, you know, multiple players on each team are, are testing positive that they consider uh, delaying the game. So for, for now the game is on schedule. um, But obviously, you know, there are, there's so many things here to cover. So, Um, First of all, you know, Ryan Groy, along with testing positive for COVID, you know, got placed on injury reserve because of his bicep and a hip injury. So, you know, talk about a bad day, you know, first and foremost, just want to wish Groy, you know, nothing but the best. Hopefully he's able to recover from these injuries and from this illness. But, you know, just just a rough day for a human being. Yeah, no, uh, tough day for him
1: to. You know, get all <laughs> to get that result and to also go on IR with those injuries. I mean, maybe the Chargers already knew they were putting on IR, but it's um, it, it's just tough to you know go through the season uh, with so little continuity of the offensive line, uh, like they were yeah. already doing without Balaga and Turner, and now you add Garoy into that mix, and you know potentially. Um, If there are other positives, Forrest Lamp and Trey Pipkins were, uh, you know, viewed as people who were around Groy uh, most often, as well as Ethan Sticks, so, you know, you're looking at, uh, potentially, if there are more positives, uh, it really, really hurting the offensive line, so this is just kind of a worst-case scenario uh, for the Chargers when it comes to the offensive line going into uh, Sunday against the Broncos.
2: It really is the worst case scenario, man, because not only do you have another injury, you have the COVID test. Uh, So Trey Pipkins, Forrest Lamp, and Easton Stick are listed as NIR on the injury report right now, which, you know, the Chargers uh, social media page did clarify that it's just kind of an estimation But that's pretty obvious that those three are the ones that were in close contact with uh, Ryan Groy, and those are the ones that have to be you know most closely watched. But you know, in terms of the continuity on the offensive line, man, it's almost—I would say even that it's worse than it was last year because you know I I don't necessarily count Mike Pouncey this year because they didn't really ever have him. But then you know Trey Turner has missed basically the entire season. Brian Blaga has played two games. You know, Trey Pipkins has been in, in and out of the lineup in terms of starting and not starting because Bulaga tried to play through what his first injury. It's just been a mess. And now they're going to be on their fourth guard. Um, and, and, you know, I expect them to activate at least one offensive lineman from the practice squad, whether that's Nate Gilliam, uh, you know, he played at Wake Forest, or Ryan Hunter, who used to play in the CFL. You know, they're going to act- activate at least one of those guys to take, uh, Ryan Groys' place now <clears throat> if it becomes even worse and Trey Pipkins or Forrest Lamp test positive you know this is going to be a, a potential snowball effect which you know could really you know spin out of control for this Chargers team because if Forrest Lamp has to miss then you have to ne- activate another practice squad player to take his place and this is just you know I'm trying not to stress myself and everybody else out but this could be a, a rough Sunday for the offensive line if Trey Pipkins and Forrest Lamp test positive.
1: Well, if they test
2: positive, you know,
1: there also might not be a game uh, on Sunday. Uh, bec- that you know, too, Because yeah. there there has to be at least uh, two days with no positives um, for, you know, the game to be on. So if the Chargers do hit, you know, an outbreak status, which I, I don't expect, but it's always a possibility after what we've seen with tennessee with oakland um with those two teams so it's always a possibility that it could happen uh, i don't think it will but you know it, anything goes in 2020 so uh yeah it, you know it could be as we mentioned any of those three players or another player uh who tests positive or you know if you start getting uh Denver broncos who test positive so that would be uh what we want to avoid but it's yeah either way without Ryan Groy it's going to be tough for the offensive line
2: yeah these poor Broncos man if they get this game canceled that's gonna suck um you know Ryan Groy I was not super high on him to to his credit he has played pretty well over the last couple of games uh he certainly has stepped up um you know in, in recent memory so Uh, in terms of who will start if there is a game, you know, for slam Trey Pipkins, they, you know, everybody else is good. Um, it's going to be really interesting because they showed their hand last week. You know, Tyree Saint Louis has kind of been the team's swing lineman in general. You know, they kind of view him as a guard or tackle hybrid. Um, if Storm Norton or Brian Blaga are able to play, I think Tyree Saint Louis would start at guard. If both of those two are out, I think Scott Questenberry would start at right guard and Tyree St. Louis would again serve as the team's main swing lineman. Um, basically, they don't want to sacrifice tackle death in case they really need it. Um, you know, I, I know a lot of people love Scott Questenberry and, you know, I was one of those people as well. But, you know, having a, an interior <laughs> of Forest Lamp, Dan Feeney, and Scott Questenberry again is just. It's not something that I'm like overly excited about. Yeah, um,
1: it's not something to be overly excited about, especially when we went into the season being like, Oh, you know, we're gonna have Trey Turner and Brian Balaga and you know, Sam Tevy is the real concern on the offensive line. Uh, and now right. it's everyone else but Sam Tevy is a concern on the offensive line from from week to week. Um. So yeah, it's definitely definitely a bummer, and uh, I kind of you know I, we went back to that episode where, you know, we were talking about Tyree Saint Louis as like, oh, it's cool that this guy made the roster, and <laughs> Tyree Saint Louis <laughs> basically is like on the brink of starting like every week. It feels like yeah. Um. And you know, he went from a cool story to like, oh, this isn't a cool story anymore. But, um, so that's, (laughs) that's just where we are.
2: Yeah. I mean, obviously I, I would love to, you know, have Brian blogger or storm Norton out there to me, it would be better to start Tyree St. Louis at right guard because he just has a little bit of, of nasty in him that the other guys don't. And right now this chargers run game is basically non-existent because they cannot get any kind of consistent push up the middle. And so, You know, Tyler and I highlighted one of the plays um, from Justin Jackson's, one of his runs where he got stopped for negative three yards. It was literally only because Dan Feeney couldn't do his job. And so, you know, this interior offensive line is just really struggling in a bad way. And so to me, like if I have the choice, I would prefer, you know, Tyree St. Louis to start at right guard just because he is more of a people mover than Scott Questenberry is. Um, you know, no, no knock on Scott Questenberry, but you know, he's not a guard. And I know I caught a lot of slack from a certain someone about that, but you know, Scott Questenberry is exclusively a center in my mind who can play guard in a pinch. So to me, the best course of action, you know, the best result, best starting option is Tyree St. Louis at this point. Um, really because until Trey Turner is back and, and, you know, Daniel Popper said this in his Q and a, and I'm going to say this now, I have kind of shifted. I'm not expecting Trey Turner to be back anytime soon. I know it's super frustrating. I just, I don't know if we can count on him to be active. I don't know if we can count on him to be, you know, practicing. I don't really know what's going on there. No one really does. Everyone has been super vague about the whole thing. Uh, so until he proves otherwise, I'm just not expecting him back. You know, and
1: also the snowball effect of this Ryan Roy thing is that practice obviously got canceled today. Um, so yeah, that's golf. one less opportunity for someone like Brian Balaga who might've played this week to kind of, uh, fully be back and we'll see if there's practice tomorrow, but it might be another week of Trey Pipkins as a result, right? Uh, or, you know, guys who were expected to be back, but couldn't practice. Uh, it, it just, you know, dampers the odds that those guys could actually return uh, on Sunday.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Good call. And, and, you know, that's spot on because Brian Balaga, you know, the facility was open. I don't know if he was there getting treatment. It's obviously a good thing for him that he was not one of the ones uh, that was designated as high risk, you know, because of his, uh, you know, being around Ryan Groy. So I guess maybe we'll we'll see. Anthony Lynn said that they are looking at him as a game time decision this week. You know, I would love to see him get in. And in practice the good news is that he's been limited in practice so you know we haven't seen him kind of have any negative signs yet but you know obviously we'll have to wait and see there
1: i think it's also in just, terms of other i was just gonna say it's i think it's tough to be a game time decision as an offensive lineman uh in particular yes. in just comparison it's... to any other position like you know you could be kind of wide receiver like we've seen mike williams take fewer snaps depending on if he's hurt or not but like you can't take fewer snaps at offensive line. Like, you know, you have to be there if yeah. you are starting, you know, you have to start the whole game barring getting injured in the game. So that's that's just the challenging part of the position.
2: Yeah, there's no snap count at offensive yeah. tackle. Right. <laughs> so uh in terms of other injuries, most of them, you know, we've we've been kind of, you know, covering them. The good news is that KJ Hill was full participant this week. You know, we talked about Desmond King at punt returner, you know, KJ Hill is, I feel much more comfortable with him back there uh, in terms of him at receiver, you know, it's, you know, 10, 15 snaps a game. So it's not super impactful. Um, Tyra Taylor continues to be listed as a full participant. So that's good for him. Uh, Rayshon Jenkins popped up again on the injury report. That man has just been, you know, little uh, bumps and bruises the entire season. This time it's a hamstring injury. Justin Jackson has been a full participant over the last two days. Well, you know, again, this is, you know, a, a projection pretty much, but you know, he was listed as a full participant yesterday, which is good news for him. You know, you know, I, again, the running game is just a mess right now because of the offensive line, but you know, Justin Jackson getting healthy would obviously be a, a positive step in the right direction there. Yeah. It's definitely a step in the positive direction.
1: I, I don't think anything is really going to be fixed. And uh, until <laughs> yeah. Austin Eckler is back or, obviously they get either Trey Turner or Balaga, but, you know, I I think Justin Jackson being at least 80, 90% would be uh, a lot better than how he's been playing the last couple weeks or, you know, uh, just, you know, anything to take, you know, 25, uh, the, or the twenty-five rushes that you know Joshua Kelly is getting per game, anything to take that number down, I think, is a good thing. Considering the um, efficiency just hasn't been there for him.
2: Yeah, it's been really tough to watch because he was so effective in that opener, uh, which obviously is is a bit of an anomaly at this point. But you know, it just is unfortunate watch. Uh, in terms of Broncos injuries, um, the big one that's not really listed on the injury report is um, they moved. Oh, I forget his first name right now. The defensive tackle Purcell uh, is on injured Mike? reserve. That's a big loss for them. Mike Purcell, thank you. Um, and they activated uh, Stevenson Sylvester, who was obviously on the Chargers last year, played really well in a couple games in his place. Um, outside of that, Philip Lindsay has a concussion. Um, he's trying to con- to clear concussion protocol. I saw today from their beat writer that he was at least, you know, doing some individual drills. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. Uh, I have maintained that I'm more concerned about Philip Lindsay than Melvin Gordon in terms of individual talent, but, you know, we'll get to that point, uh, down the road. Tim Patrick, uh, my guy out of Utah was, uh, listed as a DNP two days in a row with a hamstring injury. Um, really he's been their most consistent receiver. Drew Locke has looked his way, you know, ever since he came back. I think Tim Patrick is, is a bigger loss than people think. And then Deontay Spencer, who honestly I have no idea who that is, is also listed as a DNP. Uh, Jeremiah Atauchu is limited. That seems like he's trending in the right direction. Uh, Same with Jake Butt, the the tight end out of of Michigan, is also trending in the right direction with a hamstring injury. Uh,
1: the only saving grace for the offensive line in this is that Denver's defensive line is uh, a mess right now. I mean, ever since Von Miller went down, uh, obviously Mike Purcell is hurt. Jarrell Casey is on IR. Um, it's it's been tough since the beginning, and still Bradley Chubb isn't 100% back yet. It's you know still recovering from that big knee injury last year, so. Uh, if there is a saving grace to the offensive line, it's that Denver's defensive line uh, hasn't been very good this year, and they do have a relatively low uh, pass w- uh, pass rush win rate.
2: Yeah, that is true. You know, Bradley Chubb, I think, is pretty much doing it almost all on his own. Uh, Vic Vanjoo does get pretty aggressive at times with his linebackers, so uh, that'll definitely be something to keep an eye on. So let's get started with our preview now. Uh, we're going to shift into into kind of the keys of the game what is you know the main thing that the chargers need to kind of you know win or overcome off you know we talked about the offensive line kind of a lot already but uh what is your first key to the game
1: uh i mean i think it's just you know what they did this week avoiding turnovers uh winning the turnover battle in general Uh, i think that's really key against the the broncos you know uh, the Broncos do have a decent enough defense to the point where, you know, if you if they force you into mistakes, uh, it could be a long day. And we saw that uh, not against the Chiefs this week, but against the Patriots um, the previous week. They were just giving them a lot of problems uh, defensively, uh, some of the issues caused by Cam, but there were other um, kind of mistakes as well. So if the Broncos force you into mistakes, uh, it, it becomes tough to... Uh, really come back, especially when you're, you know, it's the home field advantage kind of uh, factor for them. So, you know, it becomes a tougher hill to climb back from. So I would say, obviously, not turning the ball over uh, is very big. Uh, The thing that's, you know, more consistently worrying me in terms of not turning it over now is, you know, the offensive line is sort of disappearing before our eyes. And, you know, there's it yeah. feels like this is a game now where there could be more pressure on Justin Herbert, um, you know, from snap to snap. And, you know, the run game probably still isn't going to be very good if they're g- having to give Joshua Kelly a significant uh, amount of snaps. So I'm a little bit worried about the turnover battle, also considering, you know, how the Chargers have played uh, in Denver in the past. Uh, so. You know, that that's that would be my main concern is just
2: turnover battle and, you know, how is the offense flowing? Yeah, that is, That is to me, what's going to decide this game. You know, uh, Chris Harry talked about how effective the Denver defense has been on third down. And, you know, we, we've kind of seen over the years, you know, these games in Denver, if your offense isn't consistently putting up and sustaining drives, just how taxing it is on the defense to consistently be on the field like that. You know, that's something that we saw last year in particular because the defense was just put in terrible situation after terrible situation. And um, someone asked me about this. Justin Herbert never played at Colorado. Um, you know, he only played at Utah twice as a freshman and as a junior. Kenneth Murray obviously never played at a place like Denver because he played in the big t- in the Big Twelve and Oklahoma, where you know basically the altitude is zero. Um, so the altitude, you know, we've seen it be such a, a you know a present force in the past because it it's just so hard if you're not if your offense isn't in a rhythm, your defense can get so hung out to dry. And after last week, you know, I'm not super confident in this defense. You know, you did a film breakdown on the secondary. Uh, you know, Tyler mentioned it as well. You know, the pass rusher was obviously clicking on all levels uh, on all cylinders on Sunday, but you know, if they have the same kind of tackling issues that they had this past Sunday, this coming week, you know, as much as I hate to say it, I think Melvin Gordon could be in for a a big game too, because, you know, for all his issues, he is tough to tackle. And, you know, if Rayshon Jenkins and Desmond King and, and Nasir Adderley are coming with that soft stuff from last week, I think melvin gordon could be in for a a big a big game
1: i think the thing that benefits the secondary a little bit um in comparison to last week is i don't uh think denver's receivers right now in comparison to um jacksonville's are quite as ready to strike i mean jerry judy has kind of had a little bit of a disappointing year um you know, the the, the, yeah, yes. the returns for other players have been so-so. It, it hasn't been the receiving core I would say a lot of people have expected. Um, you know, and in, in terms of tight ends, you know, it, it, it seems like it's going to be, I don't know, Jake Butt but or Noah Fant, but n- neither of them have really uh, produced a lot for them this year. So, I don't know, it's... I, I think... Jacksonville pr- provides a lot of problems because of their speed, uh, and that was really evident, especially when it came to uh, DJ Chark, just you know, running across the field, uh, and yeah. just the Chargers being powerless to stop him uh, a lot of the time. But I don't, I, I'm not too worried about the secondary in this game. Uh, I think the the very big issue will be. Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon, um, just because of how much they've struggled in the last three weeks uh, against Ronald Jones, against James Robinson last week, and, and now you know you face probably one of the best one-two punches in the NFL. Uh, so yeah. it, it's going to be a tough one. Uh, you know, this is also a reason I think that getting out to a lead is important, right? Uh, if you get out to a big lead, right, then you know the Broncos aren't. Uh, going to be able to run the ball as much versus if you are close with the Broncos the whole game, then they will be able to uh, kind of control and eat the clock. So uh, that's one of the aspects in this game that uh, I think will be interesting to see. Then again, they got up 16, nothing last week and then still let James Robinson (laughs) in the game. So I don't even know if that's true.
2: It would be really interesting to see what would happen in a game where the Chargers kind of trail from the start. Like we haven't really seen that in the longest time outside of, you know, the games that they got blown out at, you know, and against Minnesota last year. But um, obviously I'm not rooting for that to happen, but just would be interesting. Um, you know, Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay, like you mentioned, it's, it's a very good running back duo. And the Denver Broncos offensive line is definitely susceptible in the passing game. You know, Garrett Bowles uh, is outstanding at left tackle. Uh, you know, if you haven't heard about Garibald's story, please like research it. You know, he's a great story um, and he's a fantastic player who's coming into his own this year. But outside of him, the other four are are not great in terms of pass blocking. You know, they're one of the lowest teams in terms of pass blocking win rate. That being said, they're a great run black run blocking offensive line unit, and they really get after it. They run a lot of counters. They run a lot of outside zone. And, you know, Philip Lindsay really is the perfect fit there behind that offensive line. It, you know, it remains to be seen if he's able to clear concussion protocol. But if he does, you know, like I said, Philip Lindsay to me scares, he scares me more than Melvin Gordon does just because I think Philip Lindsay's speed, you know, is is like game wrecking type ability. And we've seen that in the past. Melvin Gordon, obviously the interesting thing there is that Anthony Lynn kind of alluded to them maybe underestimating James Robinson last week. Uh, I would have to imagine that they do not underestimate Melvin Gordon. So, you know, I would hope that this defensive line and linebackers and secondary, they really come to play on Sunday in terms of stopping the run. Obviously that really is going to be the focus because like you mentioned, you know, possibly no Tim Patrick, Jerry Judy just hasn't really been overly involved. And, you know, of course, as I say that now, he's going to go for off, <laughs> off for like a hundred yards on Sunday. Cause that's how this works. Um, KJ Hamler has been in and out of the lineup. So, you know their their weapons around Drew Locke have not been, uh, you know they haven't returned as much as people thought they would. You know this team was so hyped up in the off as a potential breakout team, but really, like you said, I, I agree. I think this is going to come down to the defensive front seven against Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay.
1: Well, I mean Jerry Judy might go for a hundred yards if Rayshon Jenkins is the one shadowing him. Uh, <laughs> other than. <True. laughs> Uh, other than that, yeah, I think this will be an interesting game to watch. I mean, obviously the game versus uh, Kansas City was kind of a snowy game, uh, very cold, and, you know, Kansas City still put up uh, a bunch of points. For some reason, I don't know why, but I'm just feeling kind of the under on this game, uh, given that uh, Drew Locke has been playing bad recently, and uh, this is, you know, as as we said, for Justin Herbert and for... Um, uh, I almost said Kyler Murray, Kenneth Murray. Uh, this is their first trips to uh, Denver, so I feel like getting adjusted to that environment. Uh, it's obviously very cold in Denver now. Uh, I could see this being a low-scoring game where uh, maybe both sides are trying to air it out, but just aren't getting um, some of that pass rushing or some of that uh, passing effectiveness that they were against Jacksonville you know, for example. So, uh, I feel like this is kind of a low scoring game. You'll have, uh, you know, <laughs> I don't know how the Chargers running game will show up, but yeah, you'll have the Braga's running game being kind of their main, uh, factor in the offense unless, you know, something radically changes in Drew Locke's game from the last couple weeks. So I, I think that that's pretty much what the game is going to be.
2: Yeah, what is the over under right now?
1: Uh, I have no idea. I'll actually, actually look it up on ESPN. you keep talking
2: and I'll tell you the over under. Okay. Yeah, uh, you know, the one thing that I was going to bring up right here, too, is, you know, Vic Vangio kind of pointed out, uh, you know, just the Justin Herbert effect on, on what he, you know, he is thinking. And, you know, I mentioned this in my breakdown. It's going to be really interesting to see how they play him if they're going to kind of, you know, keep their safeties over the top a little bit more, you know, protecting against the deep ball. Will they try and have like a grind it out, control the clock type offensive game plan and just really focus on the run game? So that's definitely something to keep an eye on for me because you know eventually teams are going to start to realize like he Justin Herbert is such a big play threat at the quarterback position. And uh, you know, I think Justin is going to be able to, you know, have the mental capacity and the playmakers around him to kind of mitigate that risk. But it's definitely going to be something to keep an eye on particularly in this game, you know, because Denver kind of has the tools like the sec- their secondary is very good, their running game is very good, and so, you know, this this could, you know, be, you know, one of Justin's worst statistical games just because, you know, he might not have that many opportunities, you know, given the circumstances and given, you know, maybe a, a Denver game game plan where they just really control the clock.
1: Yeah, so for context on the over under, the over under is set at 44.5 with the Chargers as three-and-a-half-point favorites. So what do we think about
2: over-under and whether the Chargers will cover the spread in that one? So the over-under is 44. That means that the Chargers are implied, what, 21 points? Yeah. Am I doing that math Mm -hmm. right? And then the Broncos would be implied 18. So I don't know if I would go that low-scoring. I think I probably would take the over Yeah, I think probably, you know, we'll get into the the prediction. I guess we could get into the predictions right now. Um, To me, I feel like this is going to be like a 24 to 20 type game and not like super low scoring, but definitely more low scoring uh, than what we've seen in the past.
1: Yeah, I think this could also, this feels like maybe Justin Herbert's first uh, challenging game. Um, just because of the altitude and, and some of the other things that we mentioned, or uh, yeah, n- not that his other games weren't difficult. Obviously, getting thrown into Kansas City, you know, with a tie <laughs> rod punctured lung, that was obviously a very difficult situation. But I think this might be uh, the first of his, you know, since he's been named the starting quarterback. I think this could be his first really difficult game. Obviously, it's his first uh, uh, divisional opponent since he's been named the starter. Um, And and these next two weeks are really big for him with Denver and then Oakland uh, in this new makeshift schedule that happened. Uh, So I will say Chargers uh, 23, Denver 20. I think it's going to be closer uh, than people think just because I feel like the Chargers just haven't always played well versus Denver in recent years. Obviously, Justin Herbert's a big factor here, but I don't know. I, I just have a feeling this is like Justin Herbert first bad game material, or maybe not even bad game, but a game in which he has to uh, kind of rely on maybe short throws and maybe a little bit of the running game instead yeah. of... Uh, bombing it out seventy yards to Jalen uh a lot of the time, uh, which PFF says is a very
2: bad thing. So, oh my gosh,
1: <laughs> we'll get to that.
2: That PFF <laughs> yeah. podcast man, it was so annoying. So I, I I watched the clip that they put, and you know the the PFF guy is saying that. You know, they have these six advanced metrics and, and Justin Herbert is below average in four of them. And Joe Burrow is above average in all of them. And I'm like, OK, but where are the where is this new metric on your website? Because, you know, uh, I have paid for their premium stats. I, I look at the premium stats all the time. I don't see these above average metrics that Justin Herbert is in. And and so, you know, I tweeted out about it and, and, you know, I wanted to make sure that I wasn't just kind of spewing out, you know, BS. And so I went and listened to their actual episode. And what this guy was saying is that Joe Burrow is more consistent than Justin Herbert and that Justin Herbert is, you know, relying so much on big plays and, you know, with his feet and with his arm and that they don't think that this is that this is sustainable. And then, you know, one of the guys was like, yeah, Justin is continually missing passes over the middle to Keenan Allen. And I'm like, what are you watching? (laughs) Like, if you're going to knock Justin Herbert on anything, like, you know, maybe it's, you know, kind of the short passes on the flats are not always great. But in terms of, like, throwing over the middle, he's great. Throwing deep, he's great. Making plays with his legs, he's great. You cannot knock Justin Herbert for being inconsistent right now. And sure, the D balls are maybe not sustainable, but that's consistently what he's been doing. And so this PFF thing, man, you know, they just need to come out and say, like, listen, we were wrong about Justin Herbert. Like, I think everybody and not just Chargers fans would take them a little more seriously if their numbers weren't backing up their bias, because that's clearly what's happening right now. They're clearly trying to, you know, I don't want to say like trash Justin Herbert, but they're. You know these numbers that they're pulling out of their asses are just—it's just more things that they can use to justify their, you know, poor grades on him as a draft prospect. Yeah, I think it was also funny. (laughs) I saw,
1: saw BFF Mike's tweet from September that if the Chargers uh, had signed Cam Newton, (laughs) they would be the uh, best team. That has not panned out well. Uh, considering no, not Cam Newton's performance, and <laughs> I I feel a little bit vindicated because I was like the one going. Well, I mean, I like Cam Newton of the Patriots, but I don't know his shoulder irks me. But yeah, so, uh, but PFF Sam, if you're listening to the show, which you aren't, uh, we invite you because we were wrong on Justin Herbert too. So we understand. Right. Uh, it, it's okay to be in in denial. Uh, of the Justin Herbert uh, situation. So the first step is admitting that you have a problem. And we invite <laughs> you on this show to uh, formally
2: admit that you are wrong on Justin Herbert. Yeah, it, <laughs> yeah I, I don't think it'll ever happen. I think they'll continually you know, pump out bullshit about Justin Herbert to try and justify their uh you know their bad grades on him and you know for those who don't know me very well you know I've now cussed twice about <laughs> BFF. I don't cuss very much so that's how you know I'm mad about something. <laughs> um but man it was just it was just annoying. Anyways, so we'll go back to the actual Charger stuff. I, I agree with you. I think Justin could be in store for like a you know two hundred and fifteen yard passing game and, and you know maybe one touchdown, one interception type situation. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe he gets a rushing touchdown too. I think this this has the makings to be, you know i th- I'm gonna pick Chargers 24, Broncos 20. But if this game ended up as like a 17 to 14 game, I wouldn't yeah. be all that surprised. Yeah. You know, I, I think if if this does go under, you know, I think that's something that people should be ready for, just because you know this is in Denver. I'm never gonna feel great about a game in Denver. I, I'm not like overly confident that the Chargers win. I think they should and obviously if Brian Malaga plays that would you know weigh heavily on the result I think um but like you said I, I think this could be like a 17-14-16-13 game like we saw in week one yeah I, I think that's pretty much kind of what we're headed
1: for at this point I, I, I mean maybe Justin Herbert airs it out and and surprises us but I I just think the conditions being in Denver, I mean, I I don't think it's going to snow or, you know, not yet. Um, But,
2: I mean... Right now, it's supposed to be sunny and 55 at kickoff.
1: Okay, 55 is a little bit better than it was last week at 12 degrees. Yeah. So, if it is 55, you know, then I I think Justin Herbert has a better chance of avoiding um, kind of that lesser game. But, yeah. Uh, (sighs) Yeah. You know, at least he won't be getting full, uh, you know, Denver come December or uh, November. I think that's a good thing. Uh, So, yeah, I'm going to stick with 23-20. I just just have a feeling it's going to be a relatively close game. Um, Also, because of the poor rush defense with Melvin Gordon and Lindsey that we talked about, I feel like they're kind of going to break out and and maybe Drew Locke has a comeback game. Uh, so I'll take yeah,
2: twenty three twenty Chargers. Yeah, and obviously, you know, these injuries are gonna have, you know, a hit a huge impact on on how I feel about this game. You know, if Brian Bellaga plays, you know, four slamp and Trey Pipkins are able to test positive and in you know, all, all these situations, right? And if Tim right. Patrick doesn't play, Philip Lindsey doesn't play. So this game really like in terms of how confident I feel, you know, this is really up in the air right now, recording this as of Thursday night. Uh, I I still think the Chargers should win, um, but right now I think you know if I had to put a number on it, I'd I'd give the Chargers like a fifty-two percent chance. Like a, like this is a very close matchup in my opinion right now. Again, you know the injuries one way or the other could definitely sway that number upper or uh, lower as well. I'll just say
1: thank God uh, we avoided Cortland Sutton playing this version of Casey Hayward. <laughs> but
2: yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, this, this group of weapons has, has not lived up to the hype, and, and Tim Patrick being now would, would be huge for them. So uh, any other thoughts on this matchup before we get into our, uh, our game picks or anything like that? Uh, no, we can do our game picks. All right, sounds good. Uh, before we get started on that, make sure you are subscribed to our YouTube channel. Um, after we record this, we are going to do our little Patreon Q&A and put it up on our YouTube channel. So, uh, you know, that's been a big step for us and we've, that's been something that we're really excited about. Uh, so make sure and subscribe there. So Alex, uh, why don't you talk about your first three picks and then I'll talk about mine. Um, you know, right now, it, you know, it is trending more positively in my direction, but I feel like. You know, I like your three picks, and so I think you could have a good week, good bounce back week. Uh, I'm 13 and eight right now. You're 11 and 10. So, you know, I'm I'm hoping that you have a good week as well. Um, what are your three picks?
1: Uh, I'll go Bears over Saints. I think Bears uh, defense has a bounce back game. Uh, hopefully, their offense has a bounce back game. Just because you know, Nick Foles was kind of getting thrown around in that one, uh, and it seems like there were. Uh, pretty massive miscommunications between Foles and and Nagy, but I'll take the Bears in that one just because I also don't think the Saints have looked very good, Uh, even though they are four and two. uh, Hopefully, you know, hopefully the Saints get Michael Thomas back, so that's kind of a a more interesting game. But for now, I'll take the Bears defense uh, over the Saints. It's in Chicago. I I feel just like the, you know, Bears are going to have a little bit of a bounce back game here. Uh, I'll take the Seahawks over the Niners. I'll never stop taking the Seahawks, even when it uh, hurts me in my picks, I guess. Uh, so, uh, but I'll take the Seahawks in this one. I'm more confident about them beating the Niners than I, I feel about them beating the Cardinals, um, just because I feel like, offensively, uh, the Cardinals are a little bit better set up this year than the Niners. Uh, and my last pick, I'll take the Colts over the Lions. Uh, I mean, I feel like if Stafford pulls something out of his ass in that game, uh, it could be a Lions win. Uh, but I'll say uh, the Colts are coming off of the bye week. I don't know. They played the Bengals last week. They had that
2: game. Um, but yeah, so no, last, they were on a bye week last week. The Colts game was two weeks ago. The Bengals game was two weeks ago. Yeah, the Bengals and Browns played each other this past oh, week. Oh,
1: God. I, I can't keep track of time. I don't even know. It's <laughs> it's Corona time, so uh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go Colts. Uh, yeah, Colts over the Lions. I think Philip Rivers maybe has a bounce back game uh, from that bad Browns game he had before the bye uh, that I just learned about. Uh, so I'll take uh, yeah, Colts <laughs> over the Lions.
2: Man, the, these upcoming games for the Colts are are brutal. Have you looked at their upcoming schedule by chance? It uh, it is not good. They play the Titans twice in the coming weeks. They play the Steelers. It's it's going to be a sh- big time struggle for uh, Philip Rivers coming up. Um, but yeah, I, I think those those are solid picks. I, I was going to go with the Seahawks. I kind of forgot that you picked them as well. So I'll switch it up. Um, but I'm going to go the Rams over the Dolphins. I I'm really excited to watch Tua, but this is, you know, a rough matchup. I think Aaron Donald's going to, you know, get two or three sacks and, and, you know, they're finally getting a complimentary pass rusher over there and Leonard Floyd, excuse me, if I can talk. Um, so that's going to be a fun game to watch. And the Rams really are one of the teams that I have missed on most this season. I, I just felt like, you know, from last year, their offensive line was so bad. And this year, you know, they've improved a lot. So, you know, the Rams are definitely a team that I, I missed on coming into the season Then I'm going to go the Browns over the Raiders. You know, the Browns and Raiders are both very similar teams. You know, they both want to run the football. They both want to get after it. Um, But to me, Miles Garrett is the difference in this game. You know, I think Miles Garrett is the early front runner for defensive player of the year. He's got like 45 pressures and 10 sacks already, which is just bonkers. And then my last game, I'm going to go with the Bills over the Patriots. The Bills are only favored by four. Um, You know, they've had a couple tough games the last couple of weeks. And so I think that they really need to bounce back. And this is, you know, a great opportunity for them to to host the Patriots and, and be able to control this game and get a divisional win.
1: Yeah, no, I think all those picks make sense. Uh, I wouldn't pick Josh Allen with how he's playing right now, but, <laughs> you know, I mean, maybe he is a bounce back game. And uh, Cam Newton, um, Cam Newton's shoulder cues being a problem. So, I can definitely see the Bills uh taking that one.
2: I just think, you know, the Patriots are, are really uh struggling, you know, on, on in all facets, facets of the game. They can't stop anybody. Uh Stefan Gilmore does not look, you know, defensive player of the year Stephon, like his his former self offensively, you know, they can't score anything and Julian Edelman is supposed to be out. So uh that's going to be tough for Cam to really get anything going unless they're just running <laughs> quarterback power all the freaking time. <laughs> um, you know, we didn't pick this game, but, you know, really the game of the week to me is the Steelers and the Ravens. Um, you know, it's a one point. Uh, I want to say the Steelers are favored by one point right now. Let me make sure. Uh, no, they, they moved the line. Baltimore is favored by three and a half. Uh, you know, they are hosting. So what do you make of that game?
1: I think it'll be interesting. Um, it's... The Steelers' offense is going to obviously blitz a lot, uh, I think, in this game. Uh, you know, the Steelers honestly should have lost this week, probably, with all the mistakes Big Ben they was making. Uh, they and, you know, And, you know, because of uh, washed Kowski, uh, they ended up uh, <laughs> taking a win there. But <sighs> I don't know what to think about this Ravens team yet, because the one, the one big spot that we saw the Ravens in was that... Monday night game in which they just got annihilated by the Chiefs. Um, yeah. So we haven't totally seen them in, like, big game situations quite yet. Uh, I, I'll be curious to see how they um, attack this game. Uh, I I don't know. It's in, it's, you said it's in Baltimore, right? Right. I don't know. Well, I guess there's not going to be fans there anyway. Uh, but... I feel like Lamar will have some success in this game. Um, I'm a little bit worried about that Steelers pass rush, but it's going to be definitely um, one of those defensive, uh, you know, Ravens-Steelers affairs. Uh, the the numbers that they showed on the Sports Center, I don't remember exactly what they were, but I, I don't think, I think both of these teams have averaged like under like 21 and a half uh, for like all of their last meetings uh, or You know, so these are two defensive teams. Uh, I think that that's going to bear out that way.
2: Yeah, this, you know, this rivalry is just insane. And, you know, we don't really see many like rivalries in terms of like, you know, Ohio State, Michigan, Duke, North Carolina basketball in the NFL. Like it's, it's more of a college thing. But the Steelers and Ravens, man, it is as close to an intense rivalry as possible. I'm looking for this statistic right now that, uh, I saw earlier, I want to say from field Yates, let me see if I can find it real quick. Um, but basically, okay, there it is. So, you know, they've played each other 46 times and it's even split 23, mm-hmm. 23. The Steelers are averaging 19.5 points per game and the Ravens 20.3. So you know, <laughs> this game is going to be, it's going to be just a bloodbath. And, and, you know, I'm super excited to watch it be like a, a 10 to seven type game, you know, like uh, from Alabama LSU back in the day when Tyron Matthew was there when it was like six to three, just defensive slugfest. Uh, you know, this is going to be a a good game to watch if you're a, you know, old school football truther type, you know, that, that loves defense more than offense. So yeah, man, any other thoughts before we wrap up today? No, but,
1: um, yeah, other than that, I think, uh, the Chargers are well set up going into this game against the Broncos. Obviously, covid is a big problem but you know if you could tell the chargers hey you're not going to get your first covid case until seven eight weeks into the season uh, i think they would take it um you know considering how other teams like uh the titans and like uh, the raiders have been just kind of uh smashed by covid uh in in recent weeks so uh, i think they've done a decent job of containing it uh, I hope that, you know, missed practice on Thursday and potentially Friday doesn't uh, really affect them. Uh, but, you know, we also saw in the case of the Titans that, you know, they they were off for uh, two weeks and, you know, uh, still bounce back in that game against the Bills uh, in a big way. So I think the Chargers will win this one. I think it'll be a little closer than people expect. Um, but, yeah, uh, I think this should be... An interesting game and uh i hesitate to use the term must win this early in the season but when you're talking about a division uh in which they went 0 and six last year um i think all these divisional games are important especially when you're not going to get another chance at the division after these next two weeks until uh december so this is uh two important games here against denver and oakland coming or oakland las vegas uh denver and vegas coming up so yeah we'll see uh you know how they do
2: yeah i'm gonna go ahead and say that this is a must win if the chargers want to make the playoffs they have to win this game um you know if they lose they're pretty much out so um especially if they lose to vegas the next week after that i guess vegas would be more of a must win than denver but you know if they want to get on a get into the playoffs and, and get in the hunt they really have to win these next two games uh, in my opinion, so I, I'm with you. I th- I think this is going to be a, a low scoring affair. You know, I I haven't you know, seen anything to make me doubt that Justin Herbert can be effective. Um, but I I just think you know the way that this game is trending with the Broncos' run game and the, the injuries up front for the Chargers. I think this could be you know a, a slugfest that unfortunately could lose. I just just think you know these it, this offensive line has been so ravaged by injuries, and the last thing that this team needs is. <laughs> a COVID test, knocking out one lineman and maybe another lineman. So we'll have to see, uh, you know, what happens tomorrow. Anthony Lynn said that he feels like they have contained it to just Ryan Groy. Um, We'll have to see what happens, you know, tomorrow, if they practice or if they have to cancel again, if they get another positive test. Um, They said that they should know by tonight. So uh, maybe by the time that this comes out, we'll, we'll know more tomorrow morning. So We'll have to see, but in the end of the day, man, I'm excited to watch Justin Herbert come in this game. Like you mentioned, you know, the divisional games are so important. And, you know, this is going to be Herbert's really first one that he had time to prepare for. Uh, Obviously, the Kansas City Chiefs game didn't really count uh, in terms of having time to prepare. So uh, I'm excited to watch this one, excited to see how this pans out. And uh, hopefully, you know, this COVID thing doesn't derail this game, but – That'll do it for us today, guys. Make sure, make sure and follow us on social media. Like I said, uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. And if you are not on Patreon, you know we are doing giveaways every single month there. So definitely stay tuned for that. And we'll see you next time.